I have a very exciting episode for you today, friend. I'm having a conversation with my friend and somewhat pastor, I suppose, Ryan Keating. I say somewhat because he lives in northern Cyprus, halfway around the globe from where I live, but he ministers to our church. So I hear him preaching a lot. So I say somewhat minister, (laughs) somewhat pastor, because I feel like he has poured so much into me and yet lives across the globe, which is so cool that that's something that just gets to happen these days. Like sometimes we complain a lot about technology, but it really has blessed the world in a lot of ways too, which is pretty cool. Um, So I sat down with him to have a conversation because his ministry in Cyprus is built around a cafe and built around um, relationships and building community and impacting the people around him. Um, He's in the Turkish part of Cyprus, so um, it's not a Christian dominant country where he is. And so there's a lot of very interesting things that he's navigating in terms of how do you spread the gospel in a place where it's frowned upon? How do you um, bridge those gaps and um, really have deep, meaningful relationships with people that kind of hate you and <laughs> maybe don't want you there and maybe wish that you just would pack up your things and leave? And there's a lot of really insightful things he's got to say about how to serve your community, how to be a blessing to those around you, how to continue to put God first in everything that you do. So I'm not going to spoil anything that he shares with you, but you're really going to love this conversation. Um, I certainly did. I thought it was a really, really wonderful time and I'm really excited for you to listen to it and um, hope that you are blessed by it as much as I was. Hey friend, welcome to Grow an Online Community. Do you want more authentic engagement in your Facebook group? Are you looking for an easy way to grow your group in less time? Are you wondering how a community can help grow your business? Hey, I'm Sarah. When I started my online business, I struggled to connect with my audience on social media. I tried it all, DM strategies, Instagram stories, (laughs) even reels, but none of it created an authentic connection that made them want to work with me. But when God asked me to start a Facebook group, I discovered just how incredible this platform was for creating a meaningful community online. In this podcast, we're going to chat about Facebook group growth, engagement strategies, and how to create a meaningful community so you can grow the business God has called you to. So grab a coffee and pull up a chair because it's time to build your community. Are you searching for any support with building your Facebook community? Do you need someone to help you create an engagement plan, to help you walk through the different types of content that are going to be really impactful for building relationships in your community? Do you need to just have someone help you figure out how to grow your group and get the right people in your space? I would love to work with you and do this with you. I have opening up this month one-on-one coaching calls where we get to just do some Facebook group strategy. It's going to be one hour. We get to focus on is your group actually presenting itself well? So is your name good? Is your cover photo good? What's your description like? All of those things that are like your Facebook group storefront. And then we're going to get into engagement. We're going to talk about what should you be posting on a day-to-day basis? What kind of content do you really need to have in your group in order to build relationships with people to encourage them to engage? And how do you get more people to participate? We're going to cover all of that 
in your coaching call over one hour. And by the end of it, you're going to have a strategy that you get to take away and you get to plug and play into your business so that you can start to post more consistently, get more people commenting and get more people actually requesting to join your group. Very exciting things. If you would like to have one of these spots, go to sarahbeisel.com slash strategy session and get yourself signed up for one of those spots. Um, I only have a few of these available every month. So if you want one, go grab one before they run out. I would love to serve you. Welcome to the podcast, Ryan. Thank you so much for giving me your time. I'm really excited to sit down and have this conversation with you. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. So normally I have like business owners on and entrepreneurs in the digital space on this podcast, but I was so, we met in person a couple months ago and I was just so drawn yeah. by some of the things that you were speaking about in my church. And I wanted to just mm. pick your brain more and chat about some of these things more. And so I'm really excited cool. to dig into this conversation. But so for people that don't know who you are, um, can you just give a little bit of a context as to um, what your ministry is, how you ended up, because you're, you're in Cyprus right now, which I think is so cool that we yeah. get to have these conversations from halfway across the globe yeah. and so how did you end up in cyprus and what is it that god's mm -hmm. asking you to be doing there sure yeah we live in Turkish republic of northern cyprus there are two countries on the island of cyprus and we live in the north which is a majority muslim country it's ethnically turkish and turkish speaking we've been here for seven years and we got to north cyprus because we were kicked out of turkey where i had been serving for 10 years because of the christian ministry that we were doing there and the work, especially with refugees and ministry training among Turkish believers um, and um, pastoring in uh, a Turkish church that um, eventually triggered the government to deport us. And so we were able to come to uh, North Cyprus, just over the Mediterranean, and do many of the same kinds of, work, of jobs and ministries that, um, that we were doing there and bring on some new dimensions. And um, we uh, have for the same reasons then attracted some police and legal attention on the work that we're doing here. So it's not without some uh, opposition, but uh, we are happy to be doing what we're doing here for as long as we can in North Cyprus. Yeah. Something that always strikes me is I feel like I live in a little bit of a bubble sometimes where I forget that there's parts of the world where you can't just be as open as we are here and we can't just do the same mm. things that we would do because you just get so accustomed yeah. to your own way of of life and yeah. your own way of conducting ministry that suddenly it's like when mm -hmm. I hear stories like yours it's like wow actually there are still so many parts of the world where there is such yeah. contention and opposition to just sharing your own opinions about things right like how how has yeah. that been to navigate and what is that experience like mm. You know, on the one hand, there is a sense of um, resilience that's built, a kind of a muscle that's uh, that, that 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 is built up so that uh, you grow one grows accustomed to a certain level of opposition and a, even a level of comfort in um, the fight, in having to um, contend for your right to exist and for your community's right to express themselves. Um, and at the same time, there is a, an accu accumulative kind of effect of the um, the weight of suspicion and antipathy that we experience from um, neighbors and people in the community, government officials, who are really thinking about us as enemy, as adversary, 
uh, as mm-hmm. somehow harmful to the community. It isn't true. And we have to, sometimes you have to convince yourself that you aren't the bad guy, that I'm, I'm, I'm not actually doing anything um, uh, harmful. I'm actually benefiting uh, the, 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 the work that we do and the people who are gathered around us doing the things that we're doing are actually good for the world around us. You have to be convinced about that. And that means you have to kind of regularly evaluate, is the work that I'm doing actually benefiting the people uh, that I've been given to serve? And, um, but if you, you know, if that's the case, if you are actually doing work that is benefiting the people, um, then I think you're able, it gives you that kind of impetus, that motivation to keep going, keep doing what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think those two things happen. One, a developed sense of a strength and inner uh, resilience. And at the same time, there is a cumulative weight um, uh, that that does press, that does weigh on me. The idea that I'm regularly thinking about the fact that so many of my neighbors don't want me here. Yeah. Uh, Has it been tricky to just find even that common ground outside of religious beliefs? Is that something that's even like possible to navigate in this kind of space i'm always because there's got to be like this is the thing that i i feel like religion's so divisive but there you know we're all human first as well right and there's got to be mm-hmm. ways that we can bridge those gaps without it needing to come so i always think about this with politics as well right like in and especially in the states everything mm-hmm. is so combative and it's it's at the point where sometimes people mm-hmm. will not even be friends with people that have different political beliefs but we're still mm-hmm. human first right and so is it do you find that it's possible to to still find those connections with people in your in your area, or is it something that's so yeah. big of a hurdle for people that it's actually hard to overcome? Well, the both of those reactions exist, and we're happy to be serving uh, uh, Muslims and atheists or people of no religious belief at all um, in our communities, and mm-hmm. um, happy to be making friends and building relationships and connections with people. Um, of whatever religious background or spectrum. And there are some people who are happy to have that connection made. And there's other people who think uh, that just the fact that there is a Turkish-speaking person who is uh, sharing a Christian perspective with other Turkish people, um, that just the existence of that is a threat to national identity. It's a threat to the integrity of the country. It's a threat to the security mm-hmm. of their people. Um partly because they think of me as undermining the integrity of what it means to be Turkish, uh, but also because many people are convinced that if I'm doing that, there's got to be some ulterior motive. I've got to be somehow intentionally uh, undermining or gaining financially or gaining in some other way. I must be manipulating and doing something Mm. uh, underhanded. But even in our cafe, um, many of our customers, uh, most of our customers are not Christians, and many of them come to the cafe because they appreciate the sense of community that we're trying to foster there. Yeah. And they know that I am a pastor or they think of me in Turkish or a papa, like a priest. And so lots of people, they think of me as they, although some of them wouldn't use, some of them even would use this language, but many of them wouldn't. They think of me as their pastor. Mm. Um, even if they aren't, they aren't Christians. So they're, you know, there's some guys that, that are coming, especially for, life advice or for mentoring and they want to hear my perspective about things um uh and they're happy to be a part of this community knowing that my such a a, an essential part of my identity is is in christ it is my 
uh, Christian identity. I, I would not be serving in Cyprus just for the sake of the beaches and the opportunity to roast nice coffee. Um, <laughs> it is the gospel that brings me here. Yeah. It's Jesus that, that brings me to this island. Yeah. And I was just, as you were saying that, I was just remembering whenever you were speaking a couple months ago um, in person at our church and you you were talking about I can't remember the exact words that you used, but finding like there's different, like you were talking about being Turkish and the idea of bringing that, mm. that culture and living out that culture and how um, mm -hmm. Christianity goes into all of these different places and has that faith yeah. in that culture. And yeah. I feel like that's probably a huge part of what's working really well for you and, and what's part of that success that you're seeing. And, and some of that comfort is that you really are like living out that culture of the place that you live in and letting that just be the part of, part of your experience right yeah yeah the gospel is not a foreign thing it isn't foreign to any mm -hmm. culture it's you know there's a sense in which the gospel challenges all of our cultures and it causes it mm -hmm. draws us it challenges us um, to come out of the mainstream values of um of any culture and that that's because values like sacrifice and um and radical love and self-giving um and prioritizing the good of others over selfish gain, um, commitment to justice and to right living, even at great personal cost. Those kinds of things will be countercultural in any setting, but the gospel is equally at home in every culture. Gospel doesn't come uh, as an outsider. The gospel belongs to mm -hmm. every culture. So it is just as Turkish as it is American or Canadian or uh, Nigerian uh, or Uzbek or Kyrgyz. And mm -hmm. it, it belongs generally to, genuinely to those cultures. That's um, that's a conviction that uh, that's expressed in the New Testament and that the church has um, gained over the centuries of seeing the gospel expand in mm -hmm. authentic ways around the world as authentic expressions of uh, of christianity of the gospel um they, they 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 bubble up from um communities all over the globe often in unexpected ways but the gospel is at home in every culture mm -hmm. uh, and because yeah and i guess in a sense of it is because the the principles and the main message is so much more foundational and fundamental than any particular society or culture or group of yeah. people like those principles are about a way of life and a way of living your own life and you can live your own life in whichever space you find yourself in it's about how you relate to that um relate to that message how you connect with god how you speak with like and live with that holy mm -hmm. spirit in you and how you express that right i just thought that was such a i'd never heard that perspective before and it makes so much sense and i was just mm. like open my mind to a lot of mm. a lot of very interesting things so i love that um yeah. And so something else that I was thinking of that I um I think would be really interesting to hear your perspective on as well, because there's mm. often like, especially with a lot of the people that I've connected with in the in the business world, there's a lot of people ask this question about whether they can have a Christian business and minister to or, or serve non-Christians or work with non-Christians. And a lot of people have <laughs> this like internal battle. And obviously the answer is obviously yes, but for themselves, it's working out where that mm -hmm. that line is. And I feel like yeah. for, for a lot of people, it comes down to a lot of a lot of people want to be able to, you know, work with Christians. And that and for me, that's my personal conviction, because I feel like that's where God's asking me to serve is to minister to other Christian business owners. And not everyone has that same mm. conviction. And that's the beauty of it. 
But um, for a lot of people that are obviously not necessarily serving in an exclusively Christian space, because that's where God wants them to be in in that ministry. How do you like? How do you strike that balance between just being like the hands and feet of Jesus, but not necessarily? ministering in terms or evangelizing I guess like is there like where would you say that boundary lies or is it kind of not something that can be separated if you, if if you know what I mean I'm just so curious about mm-hmm. like and how you walk that line in a place where you know you are there to just serve and to love and to build this these relationships with people in your community but you are also there to spread the gospel and to help people you know understand that this is a way of life that is accessible to them mm-hmm. yeah I think Part of the answer to that question is in cultivating an understanding of the gospel, which is wide enough and deep enough. Wide Mm. enough in the sense that my my conception of the gospel has to be able to accommodate, to include um, the working of business, the daily living as part of my Christian faithfulness. When I am making an espresso or I'm um, breaking down a wine for a customer or I'm um, helping people to uh, understand what makes this coffee an excellent coffee or the tasting notes of this wine. When I'm doing those things, I, that's worship. When I'm washing the dishes or scrubbing the floors or uh, or mopping in the bathroom, I am worshiping. Not because I'm singing a song or humming along with it, but it is the doing of the thing mm-hmm. as part of a life which is lived in Christ's direction. That That is my worship. So doing the work excellently uh, that's that's part of our Christian life. So I, in that way, I don't have to have a separate category of sort of religious activities yeah. uh, and then professional activities. That also means that I should I, I, I have to have a, a conception of the gospel which is um, deep enough so that I'm not just trying to paint my professional activities with a uh, a veneer of spirituality. That is, mm-hmm. I am deeply convinced that my connectedness to Jesus is essential to my being a disciple. And it mm-hmm. is my connectedness to Jesus, which makes me a good um, business owner, a barista, a, um, a sommelier. I am connected to Jesus. And it is my, mm-hmm. you could be connected to something else, but Jesus gives us genuinely the very best way of living. And he gives us the authentic the very best kind of source for the kind of living which is deeply soul satisfying, more soul satisfying than any other kind of living. Mm. And um, it's not just um, boiling it down to uh, generic spirituality. Uh, That doesn't do it. I Mm. am really convinced that it is connectedness to Jesus uh, that makes me able to be the kind of blessing that we want to be. And that's um, so wide enough to incorporate to accommodate all of the things that we do as part of our worship deep enough to see the genuine goodness of connectedness to Jesus. And at that point, when I'm, if I'm living in that way, there are moments where um, it will just be natural for me to share the source of life that I have with people. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to, uh, I don't need to try to artificially wedge it into conversations and um, uh, I don't hide my faith, but I'm not uh, trying to make crosses in my lattes or uh, <laughs> trying to sneak verses under the uh, under the plates or something. Um, 
people who want to come and interact with me, they're going to have those experiences with me and they're going to ask the questions and people often want to ask the questions. They know that I, on Sundays, the cafe is closed and we use it as a place for our church gatherings to meet. There's an African fellowship and a Russian speaking group and a mm -hmm. couple of English meetings that are Turkish meeting and an English meeting that's happening there. People are often curious about that. Some people are turned away mm -hmm. um, by that and they're not, you know, anything to do with that. But a lot of people are drawn by that. Um, and I think that's just the way that is exactly, I think what Jesus said would happen uh, yeah. Live this way, live this way. And there will be a kind of, um, watershed. There will be people who are turned away by that. And there will be people who are drawn to it. Um, and, uh, I don't want people to be turned away, um, by, by me, by my annoyingness, by my, <laughs> um, you know, by the, uh, my obnoxiousness or something. Uh, but, um, but I have to be okay with people being turned away um, by my connectedness to Jesus. Mm. Uh, and at the same time, I want to be um, committed to being a blessing, even to those people uh, to serve in, in, in a lay your life down kind of way, even to the people who would like me to leave or worse. Yeah. And I love the way that you've kind of set that out. Cause I think sometimes, especially like I get it in my head that if I'm not talking about my faith, then I'm not setting a good example, if you will, or opening the door for those mm -hmm. other connections to form. But, but you are, you're mm -hmm. so right. Is like, it's a good reminder that like when we do, when we take up, take up our faith and we ask that the Holy Spirit to come into us, we, there is something different about us and people will sense it if we're focused on living our lives in the way that God asks us to, and we're doing our best to live out our faith, then there is something mm -hmm. that will be different about the way that we carry ourselves, the way that we speak, the way that we interact, mm -hmm. the way that we run our business, all of those things will be, will be different. And people will start to ask questions when God prompts them to ask questions, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 That, that's a good way to live. And even um, I've got among my employees, um, some are believers and some are not. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm able to describe and appeal to different kinds of motivations and standards with the, with the believing employees um, because I can talk, I, because I have that in common with them. Mm -hmm. uh, but I don't hide that conversation from the non-believing employees. And, um, and um, for anybody who works with us, the very first conversation that we have they know that that I am a Christian and that that informs the way that I do business and why that I'm in Cyprus at all, and mm -hmm. that I want them to come on board at least with the conviction that we exist to benefit the community around us mm -hmm. um, as a higher priority, as a higher priority than uh, how we can benefit from them. Yeah. Can we be a blessing? Will the community around us be better because we're here? And I want you to serve with that kind of excellence, no matter what you're doing in the cafe, to serve with that kind of mindset that we are here to be a benefit, a blessing to the community around us. And um, I'm in that way, discipling the people around me into a way of thinking about their work. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, and that's not sneaking the gospel in, that's just the gospel informing the way that um, the way that we hire, the way that we train, the way that we make policies, our working hours, and the fact that we have a donation corner um, 
upstairs and we're running a food bank and a soup day and mm-hmm. uh, uh, and it's my employees the believing ones and the non-believing ones who are turning the crank and uh, supporting those things and making those things happen mm. i love the like that 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 phrase of like how can we be a blessing to the community rather than what can the community mm-hmm. do for do for me or do for us is mm-hmm. such a good perspective to have on it because i think is i think especially when we're doing things as part of a business model it's sometimes very easy to get caught up in like everything has to serve a purpose and serve a function in the mm-hmm. business or it what's the point in investing your time and energy into it and i think sometimes we get so caught up in that mindset we forget to take a step back and say actually like at like the first place is that this business exists to serve others to bless others to make yeah. a difference in the world and in other people's lives yeah. yes it needs to be functional mm-hmm. yes it needs to be profitable it needs to do all these things mm-hmm. as well but it also needs to serve outwardly so i think that's such a good reminder and a good phrase like yeah. or a question to ask ourselves mm-hmm. just to check in with ourselves and make sure that we are doing things with the right perspective um, yeah. So I'd love to talk a little bit more about this little cafe because um, every time mm. you talk about it, I just I'm so curious and I'm, I just love the sound of it. And I'm I just love to know because like the, from everything that you're describing, you've got so many things going on in this one little space, mm. which seems so cool. And so has this like has, has this space really been the catalyst for a lot of the opportunities that you've had to like serve the community to benefit them to do um, these this relationship building work and interact with them? Yeah, for sure. We cafe functions also as an art gallery. We have a rotating um, exhibit every couple of months. We change out the art, which allows us to invite local artists from the community to display their work and um, and people in the community to benefit from that art. And we have an open mic night on Friday, which draws um, lots of people. That's our busiest night of the week. The cafe is mm-hmm. often a quiet place. People come to study or people come to have conversation. But on Friday nights, it's not quiet. <laughs> um, it's a open mic and it's loud and uh, we do a, a, a special menu on Friday nights and um, and people really love the the community the atmosphere that happens on a Friday it's buzzing it's alive and yet mm-hmm. it's wholesome it means people re- reading poetry or playing classical music or singing a pop song or um, playing a hand drum this last Friday or um, you know classical guitar mm-hmm. um, and um so it's drawing people who are making connections with each other. And um, it also is a hub for um, local ministries. This, you know, the, the, like the food bank uh, mm-hmm. that people on Mondays, people come and get a, they can register to, to receive a bag of staple food goods. Um, and the cafe really has enabled a lot of those things um, to happen. I had been, roasting coffee before we started the cafe and I've been making wine um, and we really wanted there to be a place for people to come together um, mm. uh, and to people free people to be the focus um, and not the coffee or the wine which which are great things I love them uh, but they are a means to an end yeah um, and be, people are an end in themselves mm-hmm. and so we want to create uh, opportunity to serve people in the cafe really um, has done that. It's also because it's very public. It's a public business. Uh, it has been a lightning rod um, for government attention, for opposition, for death threats. Um, Crazy. And yeah, so uh, that it is a it's a public place. So uh, we get 
the good kind of attention and the bad kind of attention. Um, our, our social media presence, I use Instagram mm -hmm. and um, I just throughout the week I'm making little videos or posts about coffee or about wine every Friday about the, whatever the special menu is that Friday for open mic night. Uh, and Cypress is a small place. It's a small place. It's a small enough place that just the consistency of that social media presence has meant that I'm pretty recognizable in town. Mm -hmm. um, so when I walk in, into the grocery store or into the bank, if people don't already know me, they, that guy from the coffee guy from Instagram. Um, <laughs> uh, and so that um, also is creating opportunities for connections. So I hear all the time people say, you know, I keep meaning to come there. And even if they've never been there, um, mm -hmm. there's kind of a, uh, there's an association with them uh, yeah. um, because of, uh, what we're doing online and um so it, it's kind of um it's kind of polarizing there's some yeah. people who are really glad that we're there and they love that we're there i walked out on friday this iranian guy as i was headed out it's late i worked a 13 hour day that day uh, open mic night and i'm walking out an hour before we close and um headed to my car and this iranian guy who was there for the um fourth or fifth time um playing guitar he's a classical guitarist and uh, he said ryan keep doing this <laughs> it's encouraging okay. you know, he says, uh, yeah uh, he said there's no nobody nowhere else i want to come like this there's no, no other place that i want to keep coming to keep doing what you're doing he's just an iranian guy who really appreciates the environment that we're cultivating and mm. um yeah i love what we're able to do um by bringing people together creating um a space for people to come together another piece of that that's really significant to me is the the diversity of our cafe north yeah. cyprus is a really diverse place but diverse places can also be very segregated places mm. um, so there are hangout spots or comfortable places for arab students for iranian students for african students for pakistani students for turkish students for cypriots and um exile as, as the name of our cafe is Exile, um, we've gone out of our way to cultivate an environment in which um, all of those backgrounds are welcome. And I think mm -hmm. um, that has become the distinctive of what we're doing is that uh, people from uh, Iran or from Pakistan or from Nigeria or Zimbabwe um, or Turkey uh, on a Friday night, they're all going to be there. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, I think, um, well, it's a reflection of that, of that gospel value. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was just about to say. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't something that I thought about intentionally cultivating until people started noticing it. That is, we're just doing our thing. Yeah. And some people started saying, you know, um, your cafe is different because everybody feels welcome here. And I don't think that I had thought about that as a strategy, but yeah. Um, it came out as kind of a byproduct of what we were doing. And then it became something intentional. Well, you're right. You've noticed something that um, that we really need to, to to cultivate. It's good. It's right. Mm -hmm. uh, we want to we wanna be more intentional about preserving that as a value. Yeah, I love that. What do you think it is, it, like from your perspective, what do you think it is that, that creates that bond from all of these different cultures and walks of life that makes everyone so happy to be in the same space? Because I'm just curious because... Like there's got to be something that draws everyone together and to create that bond in that space. And maybe you can't put your finger on it. Maybe they're just maybe maybe it's just that that's 
that's God's purpose behind it and that's it. Right. But yeah. Oh, I think it is the conviction. I mean, I, I, it is the conviction that we are all made in God's image. That's a, that's a radical idea. It's a transforming Mm. idea that people are of intrinsic moral value. All of them, all people are, have a, Mm. uh, the same intrinsic moral value. And not only are people of the same moral value, but as Christians, we are commanded to go out of our way to love them, yeah. uh, to want what's best for our neighbors. And um, I think that there's been there's enough of that in the DNA of the people around me, in the community, and the people who support me, um, that it's reflected in the environment that's created in the cafe. Yeah. Um, so some people are turned off by that. They only want to go to a cafe where people like them are sitting. Yeah. Uh, and so they won't feel comfortable in that circle. Um, and I am okay with that. Yeah. Well, that's kind of the definition of community as well, right? That there are insiders mm-hmm. and outsiders and Otherwise, there isn't Mm. an idea of a community, right? And it Mm. comes back to that same idea that we were just talking about. The gospel is very, it's controversial. And some people are so attracted to it and so love it. And it repels Mm. so many other people that are just not ready to hear it, not interested in in listening to it. And that's just the nature Mm. of what we do sometimes is that you have to polarize some people in order to attract the right ones that really are going to benefit and love the space that you're creating and the things that you're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, we, we don't intentionally exclude anybody, um, but we create a community around a set of values and um, that is self-selecting often, you know, if people are, mm-hmm. um, are going to respond positively or negatively to it. And um I think sometimes our the challenge in this kind of environment is to not resent people who don't immediately appreciate what you're doing. You know, if people mm-hmm. uh, do respond negatively or they respond out of a nationalistic instinct or an impulse um, or a religious impulse, which is uh, anti-Christian, um, we have to be able to cultivate a love for that person and uh, n- not say, well, we'd fine. We didn't want you anyway. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, we did. We did want you. We did want yeah. you. And, and you, you chose not to be around us right now. You chose not to be a part of this, but we want you anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And just holding that space for them to come back if, if, and when they're ready for mm-hmm. it. That's yeah. lovely. So last question I really want to dig into, because it's just, we've talked a little bit about it, but I, I would love to just hear, hear more. Um, What, Obviously, there's so much in the Bible that can model good community and how to interact and how to build those relationships. And so I'd love to hear from you what what things um, like have been the most formative for you in terms of the way that, you know, Jesus lived his life or things that are like stories in the Bible or particular passages or, you know, whatever it is that's biblical that has mm. really formed the way that you conduct your your business, the way that you run your ministry and the way that you build your, the community and the relationships that you're forming. Mm-hmm. Well, there's um, 
uh, there are so many things that come to mind in answer to that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'll, uh, I'll I, I give two examples from the life of Jesus, which I think um, are significant to the way that I see my interaction with the community around us here in North Cyprus. One is Jesus's interaction with Zacchaeus. In Luke 19, Jesus is entering Jericho, and there is this man, Zacchaeus. He's a tax collector, which means mm -hmm. he's a collaborator with the Roman invaders. He's gathering taxes from his neighbors to pay for the invading army, and so he is hated by his neighbors. He wants to see Jesus. And um, he probably has no expectation that he's going to have a conversation with Jesus. He just is curious about this passing famous man. He's short, so he climbs a tree to see Jesus. But Jesus moves right to him. Jesus plucks him from that tree like a piece of fruit. And Jesus insists on being hosted by Zacchaeus in Zacchaeus' home. Mm. Jesus, in that interaction, Jesus is honoring Zacchaeus by being his guest. And Zacchaeus is inspired to um, repent in front of everybody. Uh, Jesus never confronts Zacchaeus with his sin. He does that on other occasions. But in this interaction, Jesus just, um, he shows honor, shows hospitality, makes space for Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus is inspired to repent. Mm. And there's so much about that interaction that, that is a, uh, an example, a model, an inspiration for me. Um, one is this value of hospitality, making space for somebody else. And um, you may, you do that you make space for somebody in your day or at your table or in your home or uh, at the bar or at your cafe mm -hmm. and creating or organizing my life, ordering my life around those uh, opportunities for meaningful interactions uh, that God gives me and uh, all being, being willing to make space for people who are um, unpopular or who are rejected, even who are rejected for good reason. Um, but there's this other principle at the heart of that story, it's that Jesus can see in Zacchaeus a kind of miraculous capacity that nobody mm -hmm. else was able to see. Jesus doesn't confront Zacchaeus with his sin. Jesus instead gives him honor, grace, love, and Zacchaeus responds by saying, here and now, Lord, I give half of my possessions to the poor. Jesus can see that Zacchaeus is capable of a miraculous kind of give half of your possessions away generosity. Mm -hmm. And Jesus knows how to draw it out of people. Anybody can see what's wrong with you. But it takes real spiritual discernment to see what's right with you. Yeah, And that's my job with the people who come into the cafe, the people in the community around me, uh, not to diagnose them with what's what I can tell is wrong with them, but an earnest search for what is right with them to see what's mm. good in them and to try to have the kind of interactions, which will release that goodness. Yeah. Uh, um, so that that's one, that interaction with Zacchaeus. Can I do those things and release the treasures, those great things that God has placed in the lives of the people that he's given me to serve? Um, the other is, a principle that we see several times in the Gospels, a couple times um, in John, um, the idea that we should live in a sacrificial way 
a give your life away kind of way. If you try to save your life, you will lose it. Mm. Um, and and if you lose your life, if you give away your life, that's how you find it. Mm. Uh, and that's a kind of inner orientation. Um, if I'm living in a let's see how much I can get kind of way, which is really popular these days, that self-actualization and, um, you know, this uh, a principle of love yourself, of get what you need, have your needs met as, uh, as I mean, honestly, it seems to me that stay hydrated has replaced love your neighbor as the standard for ethical excellence. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and that's really upside down from the way that Jesus teaches us to live. Mm. Um, not a, how much can you get? Um, not a, 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 a principle of attraction or a law of attraction, but rather, uh, how much can you give? How much can mm. you surrender? Can you live in a surrender your life kind of way? Uh, and that is a better way to live. It's more nuanced. It is yeah. more difficult. It's, um, it's, 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 it's harder to quantify, um, but it is genuinely better. Mm -hmm. uh, and, um, that's hard to convince yourself of sometimes it's hard to convince <laughs> other people of our disciple people into, uh, yeah. but hanging on to that, um, uh, live your, give your life away. And I, I can sometimes in the business world, even my Christian business friends, I see this kind of um, logic at work, or they will say it just this way. I want to get rich so that I can benefit people. Uh, I, I, I want If I had money, I would use it to do good. And so I want to get rich. And so they set themselves on a path where they prioritize wealth making. Yeah. And justifying that pursuit of wealth making, saying that if I were rich, I would use it to do good. The problem with that kind of logic is that if you set yourself on a path um, uh, of wealth making, you're pursuing money. Uh, as your highest aim, then mm -hmm. your soul is being shaped not for the pursuit of goodness. Your soul is being shaped for the pursuit of money so that even if you were to come into money, if you are successful, you won't know what to do with it. You won't have the lenses or the soul shaping to be able yeah. to do the genuinely deep kind of good with it. Mm -hmm. You, you got to turn that around. I, I don't pursue money so that I can do good. I pursue goodness. And if I'm pursuing goodness, if my soul is shaped for goodness, uh, then opportunities for um, for making money, for doing business will still emerge and I will still be able to pursue them. Um, but money won't have the same kind of place in my life uh, as in, I won't be deriving my sense of value or identity from money making. And if I do come into money or when I am successful, um, I will have the right kind of priorities to do good with it. Yeah. And so to have my soul, to let my soul be shaped by the pursuit of goodness, the pursuit of Jesus, and not by the pursuit of money on this self-deceptive principle that if I have money, I will use it to do good. Mm. That's such a good way to put that because, yeah, it's such a common it's such a common message in like the, mm. the entrepreneurial spaces these days. And mm. like, mm. it's, I, I think it's so captivating to people because in a very small sense, it is true because there's so much good that you can do in the world when you have those financial mm. resources. But 
getting the priorities and the, the right focus of pursuing God first and pursuing doing good at any stage of business, business with any amount of wealth first is going to be yeah. so foundational for like, yeah, as you're saying, forming you so that if you do have mm -hmm. that level of success in the future, you've you've got the right headspace to actually use it for God's kingdom rather than squander it or waste mm -hmm. it or lose it by or, or just something accidental coming your way to destroy it. Um, what a wonderful yep. note to end thank on. You. Thank you. That That's such a, a cool perspective. So thank you so much for sharing that. Amen. Well, let's just wrap up with, is there any ways for people to support your ministry? Um, anything that they can do, whether it be prayer or supporting organizations mm. or anything, if people want to learn more about what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would say pray for us. We've got a, a lot of things going on right now. Uh, we know we have a ministry training program. We're equipping a handful of um, training with 11 of them right now. And uh, it's going great. They're from all over the world. And um, mm -hmm. and then we have the, the business itself, the cafe and the church. Um, so to we definitely appreciate support and prayer for those things. And if you're interested in connecting more, hearing more about uh, those, I would love to share more about that too. And um, you, one one way to connect with us is on Instagram. As I talked a bit about the business's Instagram account, you can find us at Exile Coffee and Wine on Instagram. Just Exile Coffee and Wine, um, and uh, I'd love to connect with you there. And it's always it's encouraging when there's when you get followers. You know, people are mm -hmm. and then when they're interacting with the stuff you're doing, and uh, you can send me a message on there, and I'll respond. And um, I'd be happy to talk more about the things that we're doing in um, in that format too. Amazing. Well, thank you so much again for this conversation. It's been, I've loved it. I found it so beneficial Great. and I'm so excited for Me too. everyone else to be listening. So thank you so much. Thank you, Sarah. It's really a pleasure to, to do it. It's a privilege. Hey friend, if you loved today's episode, I want to hear about it. Let's continue the discussion in my free Facebook group. Go to sarahbeisel.com slash community and tell me what you thought. I would also love it if you took 30 seconds to leave me a review. Reviews help other women just like you find the show so they can build their communities too. Well, it's time for me to top off my coffee and head inside my group. I'll see you over there or back here next week. Bye.